So, uh, you're probably surprised. I've got a new string to my bow, or banjo, everyone. Uh, I'm going to be leading worship this morning. You probably didn't realise that I could do this. I couldn't either, so I'm not going to play it. I'm just kidding. Um, you don't want to hear this. This is, this is more annoying than uh, a load of fireworks for four weeks. So, uh, um, put that over there. So, uh, welcome everyone. It's so good to see you. I've missed you all. I've missed you all very much. Um, worship's going to be slightly different this morning, um, because obviously I'm leading it uh, for the first time. Uh, Angel actually asked me to DJ. Obviously, you know I'm actually a DJ. So the way it's going to work is I'm going to play the music here, and it's going to be streamed, and then uh, Andrew's very kindly going to put the lyrics on the screen so we can sing along. So it's actually going to be versions uh, from... The original, the original versions of the songs. So just feel free how you want to worship, stand up, enjoy yourselves, and just feel the Spirit of God entering your homes and in your hearts. Spoke the word 
songs the lyrics are posted on so just feel the spirit how the spirit's leading you in your worship we thank you for joining us we ask the holy spirit to be here with us
just thank you so much for all that you are doing for us. Even though the times seem dark and never ending, Lord, you are with us, you are in this city. And as we move to the green phase this week, and things might be changing, will you just ask for your patience? We ask that you are with us as we seek patience. And we ask for your love, especially on this amazing weekend of Pride Weekend, where we celebrate everyone. Love is love. Amen. And so, I'm going to be handing over to Angel now, who's giving our sermon. Again, things are slightly different this week. Angel sadly couldn't be with us this week, so she pre-recorded her message. So, um, that's why things might seem a little different. But, uh, I'm going to hand it over to Angel now. Hi, Mosaic. Good to see you. God bless you on this Sunday morning. Um, it's always a pleasure to be with you, to be able to pray for you and share with you God's goodness. Um, before I get started on my sermon, I want to make a couple uh, quick announcements, uh, just some information for you. Uh, the first thing, the council is, has been bit busy onboarding our new council members, so that's a wonderful thing, and we're excited about doing it. And um, we'll continue with our onboarding process for the next couple of weeks. So it'll be a com combination of some information, orientation, training, and actually having council meetings. Um, also, I want to share with you that uh, the results of our survey are in, and we had the chance to meet with uh, Michelle Alex from Engage, who, who ran the survey to go over the results with us and it was really great. So we're gonna be looking for different ways to share this information with you um, as a congregation. Uh, so you can look at it and um, we can see how you feel about the results and just provide us some, some more ongoing feedback about it. So we're excited about that. Please know that that's coming. Watch your newsletter for that. And um, lastly, I just wanna thank you for your support of one another. It's a beautiful church. I love that you call each other, that you're there in times of loss, there's people need food. You, you just love each other very well. And I am so just overjoyed to be a part of this community. I also want to thank you for your continued generosity in giving uh, to the needs of the church. Uh, as, as Eric was able to share with us uh, last week, week before last, we're doing well financially, and I just want to ask that you keep on giving. We're going to start uh, having smaller groups of us return to the church, so uh, we're going to start having some increased expenses and things. So as we as we do that, and um, that doesn't necessarily mean everybody's moving back to the church yet. No, nope, don't hear that. Hear that I'm going back to the church, and I'll be able to have small meetings of less than four or five people at the church. That's all. Um, for now, I know the numbers are going back up in Philadelphia with, with uh, COVID as a result, I, I guess, of Memorial Day and the protests. So we need to just keep attuned to uh, to the officials and what they're reporting. We'll continue to, uh, to make decisions. The council will come back to you with uh, an overall decision. I know you guys are waiting, you're waiting for schools and stuff to tell you what's going to happen. So we'll, we'll we'll make some determinations and share that with you soon. 
Okay. And we got your feedback uh, in the survey as well. So thank you for that. Okay. Um, I want to say today, uh, as I enter the sermon, begin the sermon, um, I want to say happy Pride Month to uh, our our uh, family members and friends who are part of the queer community. We celebrate you. We celebrate the contributions that have been made um, in art and in science and in the military and in life uh, that you have joined us in life and always been a part of us. And so we want to say that we see you and we love you. And today's sermon is uh, in part about you guys, you know, about the church um, and what God is calling us to do as a community. So let's pray together. Our Lord God, we thank you so much for your love and your truth. I pray that you would use me and speak through me as I share these words that you've placed on my heart. Um, may you be glorified in the way we live together, um, that we are all kinds of people, races, socioeconomic backgrounds, uh, orientations, Lord, and that you've brought us together uh, to be a light on the hill, a shining representative of that people from there, all these different backgrounds can live and love and work together and still stay together. Continue that work of grace in our midst, Lord God. And we'll be careful to give your name the glory and the honor for accomplishing that in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So um, I'm going to start today by telling you a couple of stories about a couple of friends of mine. Um, I've shared a little bit about them, and, and I want to talk about them again as we proceed. So um, I once had a friend, I'll call him Larry. Larry and I went to school together, and we're both uh, members of the high school band. I love band. Larry loved to talk and to laugh. Generally, Larry was friendly, but there were times when he just grew quiet because Larry was bullied a lot. Um, I was a, a witness to the bullying far too often. I'm not proud that I didn't stand up. I just watched it. I didn't stand up for Larry. Can you think of some people from your youth that were bullied that you didn't help? It's not a good feeling, right? I feel really bad that I allowed him to carry all of that by himself. Um, I didn't want to join him because I was afraid that I'd become an outcast with him. The truth is, while they were picking on Larry, that meant they weren't picking on me. And even though I knew the pain that, or yeah, the pain that he was experiencing, I wanted to avoid that pain at all costs, even if it meant the cost was Larry being thrown out there to it. I'm ashamed of that, you know? Um, you might, you know, let me off the hook by saying, you know, Angel, you were young, you didn't know any better, but, you know, that's just not true. We all knew better. The folks who lifted Larry up for ridicule knew better. Uh, the folks that laughed knew better. The folks who just looked the other way knew better. And Larry knew that we could be better people. So, you know, there's no excuse to offer for that. Only the admission that, that I was, and if that's true in your life, that you were wrong. I accept that I did wrong. You know, I can quote some scriptures, you know, of Jesus, 
this, you know, Jesus said, when you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me, you know, and basically what that meant was that I turned my back and allowed Jesus to be ridiculed and bullied and tormented. Um, I could quote that and say, you know, I was a Christian, but I wasn't at the time. I hadn't made a, a conscious decision to follow Jesus at that time early in that time. And even though I wasn't technically a follower of Jesus, I knew not coming to his defense was wrong. You know, I knew that I should treat people the way I wanted to be treated. I knew that I uh, would have loved, if I was in his position, I would have loved someone to come to my defense, somebody to come rescue me, or just to join me and not be alone. Too often we're afraid, you know, afraid of being, of joining the person who's being abused, that will be abused, that will be the outcast. You know, that thing in us that wants to be accepted, you know, but at all costs, at any cost. And sometimes we're afraid because we think the crowd is too big or the authorities won't help. And sometimes the authorities are the bullies, right? Um, some of us sometimes look on to things that happen like that and uh, that people are being bullied because, you know, they're different. And some of us, you know, think to ourselves or maybe even say out loud uh, that the person is getting what they deserve because they need to play along. They need to learn how to conform, be like everybody else. Um, and so we're reinforcing the notion that you have to deny the way you think, your convictions, deny the importance of the uniqueness of your voice and your attitude, your purpose, the way you were created and the gifts you have to offer to the world to be what we, our definition of what normal is. Now, I hope I've grown in some wisdom over the years, I really do. Um, and in my growth, you know, it's helped me to ask along the way as an adult who determines what's normal you know who, who gets to make that decision um, now the easy answer for us to give as christians is god god gets to make that decision um, we're followers of jesus therefore we should be obedient and do what god says but then you know being a little snarky person that i am going a little deeper in it i have to ask who determines what god says now, again, there's another ready, easy answer for us. We have the Bible, and we can read it for ourselves, and no one can tell us what God says. My response to that is, oh, yeah? Hmm. Is that really true? Is it really true? Now, I want to spend um, a lot of time on this point, but um, I want to draw your attention to the story of the separation, right? Because it was an important question asked by God in the middle of the garden with the two human beings he was with. And he asked them this in, in that story of the separation we technically call the fall. He asked them, who told you you were naked? God had never said they were naked, but somebody told them they were naked and they believed what they heard. Lots of folks tell us lots of things about God. We have heard it through the years. And for some reason, sometimes, it, it has made more of an impression on us than what the actual word of God says. Have you ever heard the, heard 
You know, God helps those who help themselves. And people actually think that's in scripture. That is not in scripture. That is not scripture. But we hear it and we, we take it into ourselves and codify it and make it valid, you know. And we need to be very careful because, again, there are a lot of voices telling us a lot of things. And we as a full community struggle with our interpretation of scripture. Um, and it's worth the struggle. It's worth wrestling with the scripture to gain understanding. But the understanding we get shouldn't cast anybody out, you know. Um, some people hold to a very literal translation of scripture. And, you know, for those folks, you know, I have to, I wonder, I'm like, you're very literal. So that means I should still be a slave and I should not be a preacher, no matter how gifted I am to be a pastor. Or, you know, I should not lead men, you know, and as a matter of fact, you should take up some, some stones and some rocks, you know, to, to cast at me because I'm doing these things according to scripture. You get to set me, take me out to the, to the, um, to the gates of the community and stone me. But you say, no, no, we don't do that because we have grace now and we don't do any harm. But I'm like, do we? I know we have grace, but do we not do any harm? Do we not cast stones? We may not use rocks, but the words that come out of our mouths are pretty heavy sometimes, right? My friend Larry experienced bullying on the bus and in each of his classes as he was eating lunch, as he was walking around the building, when he would go home, when he was at band practice, when he went out to events, he went to a basketball game, even when he was getting slurpy at 7-Eleven, minding his own business, not bothering anybody. He was just up for everybody to hurt and harm and bully. Now, the reasons he would get hurt, the reasons that people thought justified their striking out at him and bullying him were, uh, were these. Larry twisted his hips a little bit too much for them when he walked. Larry used um, what was considered feminine hand gestures when he spoke, when he talked. Larry's voice would get soft and kind of sing-songy when he talked. And Larry loved hanging out with the girls and talking about fashion and this and that, what was happening on the soaps and, you know, and for all of that, they labeled him not masculine enough. They, they actually, you know, they just labeled him not masculine, period. But, you know, one, the one thing that was interesting to me in high school was um, that nobody picked physical fights with Larry. That's because they learned early, that Larry learned early how to fight. And they didn't step to him physically because he could take care of himself. And you know what's so funny is that even though he could take care of himself in the fight, they still bullied him about his masculinity. Makes no sense, makes no sense. You know, while that may have been a, a good thing that he wasn't physically harmed, man, it makes me think, how often at a young age did he have to fight? And how often did he fight alone? 
what was it like day in and day out to deal with that ridicule, to be, you know, the joke of the school? How much did it hurt him? And I was there in the crowd. And when it would happen, I would move away. I wouldn't want to be part of it, you know. I'd walk away. And the crazy thing is, and I shared this with you before, that even though I consistently turned away from Larry, on the day that I wanted to know how to begin a relationship with Jesus, Larry did not turn away from me. Larry had experienced the best love of his life. And Larry didn't want to turn away and withhold from me what had been so wonderful, so good, so lifting, so life transforming for him. And no matter how many times I withheld my demonstration of love, no matter how many times we may have made a little eye contact when, when the stuff was going down, he didn't hold it against me. He, with joy, shared what he knew about Jesus. No, I can't definitely say that Larry was gay, and those stereotypes don't don't make anybody gay. But I think he was, and it's just something in the exchanges that we would have to see that over over time, um, I started to change a little bit. Now I never really openly embraced him and and, and claimed him as my friend. Um, but I would move over if he came into the room so he wouldn't have to be, you know, ostracized. You know, he had a place to sit and he wouldn't stand out. I would um, we'd have a little conversation. We'd talk a little bit about Jesus um, when we were in school. But there were times when we would talk and he would get this look in his eye that you know, I just felt like he was wondering, is this enough to get quiet? Is this enough? for God to really receive me, even though. Um, you know, at the times he said, will I ever catch a break? You know, will people ever just leave me alone and let me be me? Have there ever been any Larrys in your life? Were you the person that defended them? Or were you like me, a person that turned and walked away? Were you the bully? The things that we have to repent for in our lives, right? So many. And I repent. I'm so sorry that I caused him pain because I would not be his friend when he was more than a friend to me. Now, I had another friend. I'm going to call him Barry just because the two names run. Larry and Barry. So Barry, I met while I was attending college. He was um, he was at another university, and uh, we met because we both led Christian, black Christian organizations or on our campuses. And so we got to do some wonderful things all around the state of Virginia when we were in college uh, to support, you know, uh, Christian activity on varying campuses around the around the state and um, just to be encouraging, you know, and supportive and we would visit things. Barry loved him some Jesus in the same way that Larry loved him some Jesus. Um, 
And Barry, though, was headed toward the ministry. He was going into the ministry. He felt God calling him that way. Now, I had been on my campus at Old Dominion, and Larry was on his campus a couple of hours away. And one day, I remember looking up, and Larry, Barry, excuse me, I'm getting my names mixed up. Barry was coming through the door of the student union. And uh, he didn't tell me he was coming, I, so I was really surprised. He had driven a couple hours from his school because he really felt need to talk to me about something. And he felt like he needed to share it in person. So Barry took me inside, he took me outside to a private space. And I remember him walking ahead of me and then turning. And he was sweating and nervous. And I'm you know, trying to imagine what in the world is he gonna tell me? And he started his conversation with me with these words, I'm sorry. I wanted to tell you this before you heard it from someone else. I tested positive for HIV. He went on to tell me that he was ashamed of his behavior that led to this diagnosis, that he had let down his family, that he had let down his church. He was just going on and on with this kind of foolishness. And, you know, back in the day when people talked about getting a diagnosis, it was a short time before it became AIDS and we lost them. And so I'm listening to what he's saying and my response is thinking, oh my God, I'm going to lose you. I don't want to lose you. Dear God, what, what, you know? And thinking, I didn't even know you were gay. What, what is going on? And I shook, I was shaking my head and he thought I was rejecting him and he started to go back and I went and grabbed him real quick and hugged him and told him, I love you. No, 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 I love you. I love you. It amazes me that this young man came from his union to apologize to me for being gay, for getting caught being gay, for being sick. He thought of it as a punishment from God. You know, he, he disappeared on us. I don't even know where he is today. I look for him every now and again. And as I run into people or see him on Facebook, I ask if they've heard from him. Um, but he, he just disappeared. Shame and guilt are twisted, they, they often impose on, on, on the queer, the LGBTQ uh, community of uh, shame, this guilt, this, this part that you would know you're going to be rejected and so you need to separate yourself before they do it to you. It causes such incredible suffering to too many. Too often someone told them. They heard it in church. They heard it in their families. People have heard it from friends that God rejects them because they're gay, because they're queer, sometimes trans, that God doesn't have room for them, or uh, that God even hates them, and that they would only be accepted if they could stop being who they are. If they would dress up in some clothes of normality, dress up in clothes that made them straight and look straight, dress up and act like, you know, in one gender's clothes and act like they don't prefer the, the opposite of the other, or, or say that they are, are, are binary when they're not. So they could be, so people could see them, so no one would be uncomfortable and they would be normal. Who gets to define normal? 
It's just madness what we do to each other. God is not asking anyone to drive themselves mad to follow God. But we do. We ask people to live these secret lives and to not even embrace themselves so people have a love-hate relationship with themselves. And God did not ask us to do that to them. And God is not requiring. As a matter of fact, God says, love your neighbor as yourself. And so the first requirement is self-love. But we have taught and participated in people not loving themselves, hating themselves, and we've defined it for them because they love same sex or because they're transgender or because of some other thing. We've made intersex people choose or they, their, their genders were chosen for them before they had, had the right to choice. And in shame, people carry, have carried this. And God hasn't asked for that at all. This is Pride Month. And so my participation in Pride Month is a, a hope to help people be released. Released from what? Released from feeling rejected and to help release those who are part of the church community from the lies that we've been told about the queer community being rejected by God. I want to show you in scripture that that ain't so. Now, I want to show you a ton of scriptures, but I can't do all of that today. So I'm going to start with some of the basic foundational things in scripture so we can talk about that and examine it, and then we'll go deeper and, and as we go on and proceed with our life together as a community. So, um, I want to celebrate Pride Month. Now, there may be people, I don't know, because I'm not an insider. Um, I don't celebrate Black History Month as a Black History Month. I think I can celebrate the history of my people anytime I want to. And because I had a school experience that made it about slavery and, you know, a white superiority, and I didn't learn about all the inventions and the things that we have contributed, it gave me a, and it gives many people just like a, a bad feel, right? But I don't want to treat Pride Month like that. I don't want to treat it like that for this reason. The Kwanzaa principle of Kuji Chakalia has always been one that resonated in my soul. I love them all, but that one. It is the right of a person or a people to define themselves, to name themselves, to create and speak for themselves. And so I honor Pride Month because the community honors Pride Month. And I come in as an ally in support of them and the celebration of their uniqueness and the unique con contributions that they continue, have always and continue to make. Um, and so unless someone within the community helps me understand something different, I join in that way, just so people understand. Now, I shared the two stories of my friends because these relationships were pivotal in my relationship with God. If God used these two men who people told me, they did, I grew up with that kind of nonsense, and told you were rejected, God chose to use these people who were outside, who were marginalized to bring me to a closer relationship with, them, with God, with her. They introduced me to Jesus and encouraged me 
I'm forever grateful to them. So, I wanna, I wanna make sure, I wanna do my part in making sure that the treatment that these two guys endured in my presence then, that people don't endure that in my presence now, that I won't allow my friends and my family to suffer and I turn my back on them. No, no. Um, both of them had such a vibrant relationships and a vibrant love for God and others that, man, I, want, I still want to be like them. And yet they felt the sting of being denied who they were. One endured constant criticism, and the other felt like he had to hide and develop a secret life. I hate that people have to have a secret life to survive in the world. We hold responsibility for that. We hold as a church community. You know, often hear, you know, white people say, you know, that, all that stuff, you know, happened hundreds of years ago. Why am I responsible for that? Well, you know what? All that stuff has happened hundreds of years ago to the queer community, and I have responsibility for that. I stand as a Christian, and, and because my family hurt and harmed people, I have a responsibility to make corrections so that that doesn't happen again. And so I want to prevent this from people from being treated poorly. And so I claim the queer community as my human family. I claim this community as friends. I claim them. And those who know Jesus and are part of the queer community as followers of Jesus just like me. And I'm glad to walk with each and every one of you. Queer, cis, straight, trans, black, Puerto Rican, Asian, Jewish, I don't care. I'm glad of the diversity that God has in God's family. So I can say this as the pastor of Mosaic Community Church, that our church will remain a place that is safe, a place where you can be who you are and love Jesus all at the same time without worry about being bullied, ridiculed, made to feel like other. And I hope that as we grow, we'll continue to create and discover practical ways to demonstrate our support within the church and our support within our community at large. No one should fear rejection or be asked to somehow, or be asked to separate themselves from their sexuality to engage in the world that God has created for us all. Nobody should ask that. Now, you guys know me, so I want to hit the scripture to look at these, um, to look at some examples of the things I want to talk about today. 
um, I want to be careful to properly to deal with the Word of God, the interpretation of the Word of God properly. I don't want to read into it something that's not there. I want to read what's there, what the what the message that the writers intended to convey. That's exegesis. I want to exegete this this word properly. Okay, and I want to make sure that we all have understanding. There are many scriptures that we could talk about today, but for the sake of time, I just want to focus on those things that are foundational and grounding to our relationship as pastor and congregation so you understand where I'm coming from on this. In doing this, I also want to affirm our LGBTQ community, family, our friends. Now, <clears throat> I want to do all that without taking too long. So, you know, y'all know I can talk, so please pray. All right. You've heard me share before that um, that the understanding of theology, our search for theology, is our is is the search of our faith seeking to understand. Anselm called it faith seeking understanding, and um, we seek understanding so we can know God better and we can follow uh, the teachings and the instructions of God. And that we believe that God is still active and in, in engaging the earth. We can follow God and God's movement in the earth and understand. Uh, how he move, how God moves and why God moves and what she's doing at different times. There's so much to be understood, um, but I wanna I want us to, to 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 think about this. If you remember, I shared that racism is in the air we breathe. It's like the pollution or the pollen in the air. So is monosexism or homophobia or however you want to label that that thing. It's in the air we breathe. We've been raised with certain attitudes and cultural norms and things that are part of us that we have to reject. We have a responsibility. We've been breathing this air for a long time, and it's only fairly recently that we've started to expel the filth from our lungs, right? So um, I want to ask you to seek some understanding with me, to address some basic issues within us that keep us from loving everyone. Okay? The first thing I want to talk about um, is othering or not including people, othering. Excluding persons who do not fit the norm of our social groupings, displacing them from the group to the margins, and attributing negative characteristics that distance them from the community. You know, I've been, my stories about um, Larry and Barry demonstrate that, especially Larry and how he was uh, excluded, how he was pushed to the margins, and how he became the, the a person, a subject of ridicule. Um, but negative attributes, uh, negative um, attributes being given to him, uh, you know, that uh, were an attempt to make him feel like less and that he belonged on those margins. So I've been told that ours is a church that welcomes the LGBT community. And uh, that means we welcome all to join as full participants in our community at every level, minister, council member, leader of ministries, just full participant, helping in every area with the kids, with the youth, um, all the things that we do, that we want people to be involved 
according to their giftings, according to their interest everywhere, and according to our need. And so we call people to be, you know, council members and things. Now, that's the opposite of othering. Othering pushes people out, but ours is a community that draws people, people in. And uh, that's supported in scripture. Now, I want to start with uh, a scripture. Bear with me because I have to do my own slides today. I want to um, share my screen. There we go. Uh, and, and talk about this scripture. So God created human beings in God's own image. In the image of God, God created them. Male and female, God created them. And the next scripture is uh, Genesis 1, 31. That was 127. This is 131. When God had finished creating everything, then God looked over all God had made. And God saw that it was very good. And so we have this declaration, right? This is a scripture that's been used inappropriately. Reading into it what people wanted to read into it all kind of things that uh, marginalize women, that marginalize the queer community. But I want to point out some things. So God created, King James says man, but the word that is interpreted man in King James is Adam, Adam. And it doesn't, it isn't a name. It is humanity. It is humankind. It is human beings. We made it into the name for the first male, and uh, that's just not the case. Um, so scripture tells us that God created humanity in God's own image, and in the image of God, God created them, more than one, all of us. Male and female, God created us, okay? And so just as God is community, God created so that we would exist in community and reflect God's image, the diversity of God in the diversity of humanity. And when God had finished creating not just humanity in diversity, but the trees in diversity, the animals in diversity, the fish in diversity, the birds in the diversity, the seeds in diversity, God created all of that in diversity. And when God looked at all that diversity, God said, mm, I done did it now. That's good. That's some good stuff right there. That's what God said. God looked at it and called it very good. And so that's different than the way that some people may have heard that scripture preached. But this is the word of God. Please see it for what it actually says. And help us to understand, Lord, please help us understand it for what it actually says. So, now, personally, I'm drawn to black liberation theology and liberation theologies, which are from a Latinx perspective. Now these theologies look, it looks at, or they look at God's saving activity in the earth. Now what do I mean by that? They look at the fact that God has always wanted a relationship with humanity. Excuse me, and how God came to our aid by opposing all the oppressive forces and systems that attempt to keep us from a relationship with God in word, in thought, in deed, in relationship. Now, within these theologies, uh, we place the emphasis on the value God has for humankind. 
That's the focal point in liberation theologies. God loves us and God values us. And God has gone to extreme measures to have a relationship with us. Meaning what? That God, who created history and time, entered God's creation. God entered history. God entered time to have a relationship. So he, so that she could do everything in God's power to have a relationship with us through the person of Jesus Christ. Now, our response to that is gratitude and acceptance. We receive, we accept what you've done for us, God, and we want this relationship. And there are other theologies that seem to focus on our unworthiness, that we're horrible people, filthy people, filthy sinners. And the focus is in these theologies is on us um, not deserving a relationship with God because of our sinful condition. Now, until we remove, uh, these theologies uh, have a mindset that until we remove those things that make us unworthy, uh, sometimes through work, sometimes through asking for forgiveness only, sometimes through forgiveness and works, um, until we can remove those things that make us unworthy, we remain sinful and filthy, and we can't have a relationship with God. Um, and so, you know, it makes me want to ask, so what are the things that make someone unworthy, sinful, and filthy, right? We've managed to fill that blank, that what? With so many things. And as it relates to the queer community, we've come out with things like God doesn't love the gay person or the trans person. We've, we've said that, that God can't even look at that sin and God rejects it and turns God's self away from the sin. Um, and we, we, we say that for same-sex relationships, God, God hates that because of the way physical love is expressed. And that's not true. That's not true. By virtue of the scripture, I, 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 I've shared it with you. My point is simple. God created humanity and the value God placed on us. May God declare us good. God recognizing the value of humanity did all God could to provide an opportunity for us to have a relationship with God. This is supported through John 3.16. God so loved all of us that God gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe wouldn't perish, but have an eternal life or have an eternal relationship with God. It seems simple, but we forget that Jesus's gift of relationship is extended to all of us, no matter. John is uh, the place where we can validate that. I can validate that statement. Um, let me pull this up again. Share my screen. Um, I have three screens, so I'm trying to keep track of them all. John 3.17 says this, God sent his son, God sent her son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him, through Jesus. And part A of, of the 18th verse says, there is no judgment against anyone who believes Jesus. The consistent 
narrative of scripture tells us that Jesus was enough. His coming, the life that Jesus lived, and then the way that Jesus died, powerful authorities rising up against Jesus and crushing, trying to crush him that, and, and killing Jesus, but understanding that the love that Jesus had, that, that Jesus was God, and the love that Jesus had in the relationship with the Trinity, that that love could not be diminished, that that love could not be kept in hell, in the grave, in death, and that Jesus rose again. And, the, and because we share in this loving relationship with Jesus, we can't be helped but that we will be where Jesus is, just as Jesus had to be where God, spirit, and, 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 and parent were. We, because we're in this relationship, will be where they are also. So simply put, God, stop sharing. Simply put, God looked at me and saw my value. God looked at you and saw your value. God looked at our neighbors and saw the value in our neighbors and God burst into history and time. Burst, came in, did something that seems impossible, creator entering creation for relationship, to rescue, to save, to redeem, to make us whole, recognizing that God always created us for relationship with God and wholeness came and comes to us through that relationship. So the bottom line is you don't get and I don't get to other anybody, nor do we get to exclude anyone from the salvation that's offered by God. God's, it is God's gift, not mine, to regulate, to confuse people about, or anything. It is just a free offering that I share as God has shared it with me. So that's the truth. We don't get to other people, and we don't get to exclude them. They are included. Now, anyone who desires a relationship with God through Jesus can have one. And if that's not true, then the witness that I saw in the lives of Larry and Barry, I, 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 it was so much, it was so beautiful, it's so wonderful that it encouraged me to start and to continue and deepen the relationship. This witness I have of their lives, these men who we're dealing with these issues and being rejected in community or fearing rejection. God used them to bring me to an understanding and relationship with Jesus. Um, now, this is my first point because I'm told that ours is a church where everyone doesn't have to agree, and we don't. And there may be varying thoughts within our community about being part of the queer community. Um, but James Baldwin uh, said this, and I, I, think it's, I think it's a good response. Um, we can disagree and still love each other unless your disagreement is rooted in my oppression and denial of my humanity and right to exist. We can disagree and still love each other unless your disagreement is rooted in oppressing me and denying me the status of being human and my right to exist. And I would add, denying my right to know God in loving relationship. This is about more 
than othering people. It is about including people, but it's also about more than that. Let me share with you another scripture. Let me try to keep moving along. I manage my screens. It's kind of a long one. Um, it's about more than inclusion. Because remember I preached and said, talked about uh, grocery store diversity. Everybody can be in a grocery store. That doesn't mean you have a relationship. But it does mean there's a diverse group of people in the grocery store. There is. It doesn't make them a community. It doesn't make them a multicultural community. It's only when there's relationship that we have that, right? So we have inclusion, but we need more. It's about being welcoming. Matthew 25, 34 through 40. Uh, then the king, sorry, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and showed you hospitality or naked and gave you clothing? When did we ever see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, when you did it unto the least of them, you were doing it to me. He said, come. Inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you. Come inherit what, inherit what I had planned for humanity all along. For you have loved as I love. You have called the kingdom out of your very beings because you treated all of humanity as if they were me. Mosaic, the kingdom of God is within us. And when we allow it to break into the world, as we treat our queer family and friends with love and respect and encouragement and support, when we treat them in the way that we would treat Jesus, the kingdom is bursting into our here and now, into our reality. And so we know we have inclusion, that, that that's important. But we need to be welcoming, not just celebrating that you're there, but caring to listen to the needs that are taking place in our community and responding. The need for support, the need for encouragement, the need to stand up for and support. But then there's also still yet more. It goes beyond being welcoming because we're called to celebrate the differences and the uniquenesses in humanity. So I'd like to share just another scripture with you. James chapter 2 1 through 4 dear my dear brothers and sisters how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some over others for example 
Suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give the special attention, if you give special attention and a good seat to the rich, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by equal motives? That's rough right there. See, this scripture is not just about rich and poor. And while it can be applied and should be applied to racial context, say it's not just about Asian and white, black and Asian, black and white, Latina, Latinx. Um, it also includes the LBGTQ community. You know, it's about the LGBT community and the cis straight community and all the other peoples in groups we're prone to separate ourselves from. We are supposed to celebrate. We are supposed to include and encourage and not uh, old-fashioned scripture way of saying it's have, have a respect of persons. We're supposed to look out for one another, no matter what the diversity, no matter what the issue is, and treating each other as if we were Jesus. Supposed to love you like you, Jesus. Me, we're supposed to love the stranger in that way. Let's look at one more scripture together. Oops, you see, we look for a day toward a day when, in Revelation seven nine, um, when we'll all be a part of that vast crowd, that great multitude that's too great to count, that's represented by people from every nation and every tribe and every kind of people, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb of God, celebrating and praising God. We look for that time that we'll be unified together, loving each other, Loving God, loving one another. That's the, those were the great commandments, right? So, come out of that. All right. So, we've talked about inclusion and not othering. About being welcoming and celebrating difference and the uniqueness of people, and that God created in diversity and welcomes us all. And that leaves just one more thing. And this last thing is something that you and I have to settle within our own hearts. And once we're settled, then we speak. And so I'm going to speak today. I'm affirming. I'm welcoming and affirming. I support my gay brothers and sisters. I support and will do marriages. I will counsel. I will support families. I am there for our community. And I will, I am there and I will continue to grow and learn because I don't know everything. And there's so much to learn. And so I'm committed to, to educating myself in the same way that I'm committed to the education on racial things. I'm committed to the education on, on learning about sexuality and not making sexuality this thing that's taboo that we can't talk about. 
And so we can dive into sexuality and talk about orientations. And we can learn and educate ourselves and welcome people in. And really from a base of knowledge and empathy, walk with people just makes sense to me. So I'm affirming to our LGBTQIA community, family, and friends. But there's a part of me that's also mad that I have to say that to say I'm affirming, because in some ways it's like I have some authority or power granted in me that I say that and now they are affirmed and I, that's just garbage, right? But we live in a world that rejects and so the opposite of, a, of rejection and of being quiet and walking away with, like I did with, with Larry, is speaking and saying, I affirm, I'm there, I'm in it, we're together, okay? not by some special power. It is by virtue of, I want to show up now, forever, for years. Not just now, but for years. Um, some of the most lovingly relationships I've had to honor, the honor of witnessing and being a part of have been non-heterosexual relationships. And the individuals, and the way that I've seen these individuals treat one another, I see the reflection of God's image. Um, they were committed and have been committed to seeing the best in, in each other. And I'm for that in those relationships. I'm grateful that I have the honor of serving in a church that welcomes people and you know and that we're willing to learn that we're willing to grow that we're willing to support that we can be led by people diverse people who do not look like ourselves you know it is an exciting thing to be committed and so i ask you to join in the commitment to understand for understanding we are people of faith seeking understanding understanding how we reflect the image of God in our multicultural community, understanding what it means to stand up for people uh, racially, what it means to stand up for people with sexual orientation, what it means to stand for the poor, what it means for those who have resources and seek God in support of them, in support of how they use the resources instead of just everybody being who's rich being cast out as evil. Uh, learning how to love each other in the circumstance that we have been, that we have, whether it feels like blessing or not blessing, but that we can give of our resources to one another to make us all better. We were created in the image of God. We share the responsibility for the earth that God has given us. And so I make my commitment and ask you to join in the commitment. Whether it is a commitment to educate yourself and in, in, in understanding and growing in empathy for the LGBTQ community, whether it is no longer shying away when you see someone from this community being abused, but speaking up, speaking for, and standing with, and whether it is joining in a relationship that you may have been hesitant to, to, to move on, to act on, but now giving yourself and people the grace, they're willing to receive you, receive them. We all start. It's okay. We're the kind of church that allows us to start where we are. We address the reality of where we are, but we also call one another to grow because we are more. We are better than we are. We can be better than we are today. We can love deeper than we do today. 
And God wants to show that love in Philly, in West Philly, through our church. And it is a gift to us. And I am grateful to have the opportunity to share and to be a part with you. We love you. Happy Pride Month. I hope it's been a great one. And we will continue to, to celebrate not only in June, but throughout the rest of the year, the months of the year. Be blessed. God keep you. Be safe. Thank you, Angel, for those incredible, powerful words. Um, yeah, I mean, how can we be allies? How can we affirm without being condescending? Um, Lord, we just now lift our hearts up to worship you. Um, we just worship you with all our hearts. We're going to sing. If you just joined us before, just before the sermon, I'm leading worship by DJing, playing music. Andrew's gonna share the words on the screen. And uh, we are now gonna sing with everything.
Oh, I get my own applause as well. <laughs> um, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us this morning at uh, Mosaic. Um, I'm just going to leave you here with a benediction. Um, it's funny, actually, when Angel asked me to do this um, and what the theme was, um, I have been doing a lot of reading, and especially with the Black Lives Matter movement and the LGBTQIA. And um, somebody, in fact, Angel mentioned him earlier, somebody who's been an absolute uh, inspiration to me and educator to me is James Baldwin. And he said some simple words that just spoke to me really very deeply um, in dealing with being an ally and helping me understand being an ally with the LGBTQ movement, uh, QIA movement. And that is simply love is where you find it. And Jesus found love with me and we can find love with each other everyone. And so I want to finish off with this, um, uh, this verse um, and it's taken from the uh, NLT version um, from Psalm 100, uh, 139 and it's verses 9 through to 18. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To the night shines as bright as day, darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvellous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was even born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake, you are still with me. Everybody, have a fantastic week. Stay safe. Stay vigilant. Wear a mask. And um, we'll see you all next week. Thank you. Bye. And promise, no banjos.